Blog Talk Radio. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I'm the Vice President of Business Development here at Autism Spectrum Therapies, an agency providing services and therapies to individuals with autism and other related disorders. Um, I am really, really excited about today's show, um, and I apologize to all of you in advance if I if I kind of nerd out a little bit because um, I am, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about today's guest. Um, today I'm actually going to be speaking with Rodney Pete, uh, a, a former NFL quarterback who uh, I really got to follow in my in my earlier years when I was really getting into football. Right when I started playing Pop Warner, um, got to play him on all the video games. And he has become um, an active member of the autism community with his wife and, and his whole family um, as they've raised awareness and, and talked about their, um, their experiences um, with their eldest son. Um, so I, I'm really excited um, because there is a little bit of that uh, awe of, of someone from my, from my childhood who, um, you know, you get to look up and put up on this pedestal. Um, but I'm also really excited because um, we're talking to a dad, and you know it's it, it's it's something that only hit me recently as we've been um, getting ready for this show is that we we've been lumping a lot of things together, and we've been talking about experiences, um, but we I, I think as I've been in the field and as I've been working with families, um, a lot of dads have expressed to me different perspectives and different concerns. And I'm really excited to, to have a conversation and, and raise some awareness about some of the things that, that dads struggle with um, because there are different aspects. Um, you know, I can think back to some, some really memorable, poignant conversations I had earlier uh, years ago when I first actually moved to California with uh, these two dads. Um, and both of them, uh, coincidentally, had a military background. And some of the struggles they had um, as it related to discipline and how discipline should be and what it should look like and how their, how their child should respond um, were, were a struggle. And, and what I was telling them to do it conflicted with some of what they instinctually thought to do, whether it be from their military experience, um, and, and in one case, not just that, but how how his dad raised him and, and how he was raised. And um, I think sometimes there there's some other aspects, some other things dads go through, um, the, the bond between a father and son um, being something that I really – Value. Um, I value my relationship with my dad. Uh, I valued my relationship with my grandfathers, and and watched my dad um, and how he interacted with his father. Um, you know, that was the model uh, of what what I want my relationship to be like. And I hope someday, um, if and when I have a son, our relationship is. And how does that relationship change? So I think that. It's really important, you know, that we, we have this understanding. And, and even if you're not a, a man and, and you're not a dad out there I and mean, you're a mom, I think that's it's still a really valuable conversation because hopefully then there's some insight into to what your spouse is thinking and to what your husband is thinking um, and, uh, of what they are looking at their father-son bond to be and, and the, some of the struggles that they go through um, and... Um, Rodney, I think, has, a, has an amazing perspective on that and, and a great ability to kind of share just 
this is a dad's experience. This is my experience. And really, um, I've, I've been impressed with, um, as, I, as I read his book, uh, Preparing for Today, um, really getting a sense of, of what was going through his head because, God, I know it's not always easy for me to say what's in my head, and, I, and I'm sure I'm not alone um, if, uh, as, a, as a male out there. Of It's not always easy to write or articulate all the different things going on on the inside. Um, so I think it's, it's great that we're able to you know, change and increase our awareness about this topic um, because there are a lot of dads out there who are incredibly involved and, and who have really inspired me in terms of how they interact with their sons or, in some cases, even their daughters. Um, and, I, and I really am excited to be able to share some of that voice and share some of those experiences. So when we come back um, from this commercial break, we're going to talk a little bit with Rodney Pete and, and hear about uh, a dad's perspective. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio, everybody. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Um, We are joined today by a really special guest. I'm really excited to have him on. Um, Today, I'm joined by Rodney Pete. Uh, Rodney's a former NFL quarterback, uh, played for a number of different teams in the NFL, uh, particularly during some of my glory days of, of watching the NFL as I was first learning the game and uh, getting into some of the video games out there. Um, but more importantly, as it relates to our conversation, um, he's been doing some amazing things in the community. Um, he started a, an organization as the co-founder of the Holly Rod Foundation, um, as well as the author of Not My Boy, um, in which he talks about um, his experiences um, as they relate to learning about his um, eldest son, RJ's diagnosis of autism, and the different struggles and successes that they've had over the years um, to give a, a dad's perspective on um, having a child on the, on the spectrum. Uh, Rodney, thank you so much for being here with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, I got to admit, my uh, my buddies are all pretty excited that you're on the show. They uh, they all ask about you know what's going on on a weekly basis um, when we're all playing softball together. And when they found out you were going to be the guest, they were their eyes kind of all lit up, and they're like, "Oh man, Rodney <laughs> Pete, you got a quarterback on the show?" Oh, uh, very um, cool. Not to mention the SC love for all of these LA guys. So right. it, was, it was very cool. It was oh, very cool. Nice, nice, nice. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to start off with is. Um, hearing a little bit about what it was like to to find out that RJ was diagnosed with autism. Yeah, it was a that was a very very tough day. Um, you know, uh, especially you know at that time. God, now it's going on almost twelve years ago. Um, you know, I really didn't understand or know what. Um, you know what autism was I really didn't and um, you know a lot of times it was just all lumped into one category is the the kid was slow or he was different or he had you know developmental issues but it wasn't really you know specifically labeled autism so I, I didn't understand what that meant um, and so when we got our diagnosis and we sat in a room with a 
the uh, pediatric psychologist, and she um, went through the list and, and really broke it down that your son is autistic and these are the things that he, you know, won't be able to do. These are the things that uh, you better get ready for. Um, it was quite the devastating day. and We, uh, you know, we remember it like it was yesterday because it hit us both very hard. We both cried and on the way home and and didn't want, didn't you know, didn't know where to turn because it was just like a. She left us with a basically a hopeless feeling that uh, he had no chance in life. Wow, you know, and I, I one of the things I was really curious about and and really you know, I, I think we don't always talk about, but you know, you had this unique perspective, this unique opportunity, you know, being a, a quarterback in the NFL, but. I know that that means there's games, there's training camp. Um, you can't necessarily live where your team is playing. And I remember, you know, you wrote in your book about playing for Oakland. But yeah. I know you went to Carolina after that for a few years. And right. I know a lot of dads who are, you know, we're making money for the family. Um, we're supporting our wives and kids at home or maybe we're supporting them with uh, our wife. Um, but I know, like, I have to travel quite a bit for work myself. How did that traveling and not you, – you can't be home because your job requires you to be away. How did that um, impact you, and, um, and, and I guess how did that make that more challenging to, to really begin this process? It was uh, – you know, early on it was, um, it was definitely challenging, but, uh, you know, because I spent – you know, the first year and a half at least and probably two um, of being in denial about it and that he would eventually grow out of this situation that I kind of didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to deal with it. So being away um, was kind of my escape in, in a lot of ways because um, I didn't have to come home and, and, and see the struggles that he was having you know, in, in his early development and the things that my wife Holly was going through and, and trying to find him the right situation, the right school, the right therapist, and, and all those types of things, I could kind of go escape and, and under the guise of, of playing, you know, playing football and being in a different city. So, you know, that was my, that was my getaway. But as I, you know, as, as time went on, um, Regardless of the situation, you want to you want to be around your kids at a, at an early age because you know it's, it's a cliche that everyone says enjoy it when you know while they're young because time flies and it goes so fast and that's 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 really true and and yeah. so I I definitely wanted to be a dad that didn't miss you know a whole lot of things in their life especially different types of milestones but. Um, I got to say that you know early on it was it was my escape to be able to say I, you know I didn't have to deal with the uh, you know the the, the 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 situation that we were facing with him. Yeah, you know the the thing that I find really interesting. I've gone to um, work with a lot of dads, especially here in California, and I, I feel like you know since there's so many children on the spectrum, there's so many sons, a disproportionate number. Um, it's really hard to be the parent that you think you're going to be. I mean, it, I feel like it contradicts so many things that we're taught at an early age. Like I think about um, the way my dad raised me and the way my grandfather raised me. And I know you talk a lot about kind of having to change the way you were a dad and, and almost relearning because the, the way your dad raised you was different than the way you had to be a dad for RJ. What kind of, what kind of things did you ultimately have to learn, and, and how did you go about learning them? Yeah, that, that's that's a, a great question. That's a that's a you know a challenge that that a lot of dads face and will ultimately face because you know basically the you know the way we're made up is that um, we have these expectations for our for our children, especially our sons. Mm -hmm. You know we. They have this vision of what we want them to be and how they want to, how we want to mold them and how we want them to grow up and and uh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I'm going to do these things that that helped me when my dad was, you know, when I was growing up and he he mm -hmm. told me to do and you know a lot of things that you know he would go up in the backyard and if you wanted to get better at something you went and you worked at it. 
you were ba- playing basketball and you, you you weren't very good at your left hand and he, he said just dribble with your left hand let's go just work on your left hand stuff or or in baseball you had trouble hitting the curveball then you really worked on just hitting the off speed pitch i mean there's a lot of things that you, you know you just worked on to get better um and it and it seemed black and white and very very simple um the problem arises when all of a sudden your your child falls under the the gray area. Okay, yeah. it's not so black and white. It's not so just go work on it, or I'll just tell you to try harder, and it and 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 that will that will do. That that becomes the challenge. And and for me, like I mentioned, you know, the the denial factor for me um, really. Um, was was really in me because that's the way I grew up and that's the way my dad had taught me and that's the way I tried to parent with with RJ is is just really try to you know just kind of repetitively beat it over his head that you need to do this you need to do this and where in reality he he was basically probably looking at me like I was that Charlie Brown teacher that he could not understand. <laughs> um, so you know, so there, there, there was a long period of time where I, I just didn't understand how to, how to, how to reach him and how to grasp him, and didn't want, didn't want to, uh, to accept the fact that he, uh, he had some issues that he had to fight through and deal with. Mm-hmm. And mind you, along the way, we had a, we had a pediatrician that was telling me that he was going to grow out of it, and mm-hmm. you know, he's just young, and and and. You know, what happens with twins, they're slow to develop, and his sister's going to be ahead of him, and just, you know, don't panic right now. He's going to eventually grow out of it. So I got that fed into my head as well, that eventually he was going to grow out of this situation. And and uh, as, we, as we all know, you know, you don't just grow out of it. So, um, so that led a lot to the frustrations and denial that I was dealing with. But uh, I really had to come to grips with it in the situation that, you know, and I talk about it in the book that we had the uh, the big meeting where all of the therapists were there, mm-hmm. and um, you know they asked me to kind of spend some time interacting with my son with RJ, and I tried to do it, and and basically he looked at me like he had never seen me before, or didn't know what I was talking about, and then. You know, ten minutes later, the therapist gets on the ground with him, and he starts laughing and joking and doing everything that she says, and 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 engaged with her, and and all those types of things. And and it really, that was the moment that it hit me with like a ton of bricks that everything that I've been doing, um, that I thought was right, was completely wrong. Yeah, and I remember, I remember you describing that in the book, and it was, you know, it was really. And it was really impressive to to. I felt like I could see what was going on based on the way you described it and and the conversation that you ultimately had with your wife afterward. And it, you know, it's one of those. I could imagine how difficult that all must have been and how yeah. challenging that must. No, have been. it was. It was a. It was definitely a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really was because it was. And it was, you know, it was down to an ultimatum. Either you get on board, or you got to, you you got to go because you're not helping the situation. Yeah. And that, you know, and at that moment, it was, it was me realizing, thank God, through visualization, visualization um, from the other therapist, that my techniques were not working. And, mm-hmm. and at that point, I started to really understand that I had to to really. Start seeing the world and start understanding the world from his perspective and his eyes, as opposed to what I wanted him to be and how I wanted to mold him, because that was not yeah. going to work. And yeah. once I got to that reality, um, uh, things flourished for us from from that point on. You know, you you wrote something in your book that I, I've actually you know I read this passage a couple of days ago. You know, getting ready for for our conversation today, and it, it, it's something that's actually been sticking with me. Um, and you wrote that, like most men, I need to see the breakthroughs. I was interested in seeing results. I wasn't about the small wins. I wanted to see something dramatic. And every week, we celebrate the small wins. It, it's what we preach. It's what we talk about. But when I read this quote, it, it hit me. I don't think as a as a young man as a as a 
member of team sports and, and as an athlete, I ever had a coach or someone say, focus on the small things. It was always, we have this big goal. If anything, it was, don't celebrate this small win for too long. Keep your eye on the big goal. And I, I, I know your perspective has changed quite a bit, um, but how hard was it to shift that perspective? And was it something that, you know, like you, you just described this important meeting with the team, was it something that you were able to, um, that came into perspective at, at a meeting or an event like that, or was it more gradual? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think it was, it, was, it was in me because it was drilled in me, and I think I mentioned, you know, one of the coaches that I had in Detroit named Frank Gantz, he used to mm-hmm. preach that all the time, and he was a, uh, he was a former, former colonel in the Army uh, who became one of, our, one of our coaches in Detroit. He was a special teams coach, mm-hmm. but... Um, he would always start off his, his his meetings in the morning, and we'd always start the meetings um, in the NFL with special teams meeting because that was when he, everybody would would go into the room and he talked about all aspects of the uh, of the game plan and 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 he would always start the meeting with a story or an event that he was a part of, um, but he would constantly throughout not only the meeting, but all throughout practice and throughout the game, talk about the small win. And you're right. You know, as an athlete or or even in business or whatever, we, you know, we tend to focus or look towards the end, end result, the goal. Okay, we want to be winning at the end of the game. We want to be on right. top. Or, or, you know, I want to close this deal by July. Or right. we want to find, you know, uh, the right, diagnosis for this in a short period of time that's going on if you're a doctor or you want to win the case. Um, and, and we sometimes lose sight of, of the journey. Mm-hmm. And, and he was the one that really focused on the journey. And, and so he talked about, you know, you got to win on, you know, just to use the football vernacular. Um, it's important. You got to win on first down. You got to get three to four yards on first down. If you win on first down, there's a better chance of you winning on second down, third down, and getting the first down. Um, so he would talk about that in, in great detail about small wins. Celebrate the small wins. You get enough small wins, you're going to reach your goal, and the end result's going to be good. So that that was kind of in me already, just from the mentality of where he was. But I never mm-hmm. thought I could apply it to real life or or anything outside of football um, until until I um, you know we had RJ and and we got to that moment and that breakthrough moment where you know he's he's starting to do things that I didn't see him do before and I started to understand that um, he's not me he's not gonna be me he's gonna be his own person and let's get excited about the things that he yeah. does do well and and celebrate those moments. And so the moment, you know, that I was sitting there angry looking at him on the floor with the therapist and there, him smiling and laughing, um, those were actually wins. And so yeah. when I started understanding and, 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 and figuring out how I needed to, to engage him, talk to him at home, because the therapy never stops, obviously, when you have yep. a child on the spectrum, whether at home, whether you're in the car, wherever it is, you're always teaching. It's always a therapy session. So, you know, little things that he would do along the way after that moment, I started looking at it as, God, this is great. I'd never heard him do that before. And, you know, the moment he said, I want French fries from the back seat, <laughs> that, was, that got me excited as throwing any touchdown pass. Yeah, you know, because he said it unsolicited and 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 was um, was communicating and looked me right in the eyes, and so I started understanding that those moments are really important. Those things that you really really need to build on. It's not about is he going to go to college or graduate high school at you know when he's four years old. It's about the little things and. When I started really understanding that from that perspective, um, you know, like I said, our relationship really flourished, and I, we were able to communicate on a whole nother level. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, we got to take a quick commercial break, um, but we're going to take this break and talk a little bit more with Rodney um, and a little bit more about 
you know, some of RJ's progress and, and some of his successes since, uh, since these early days. We'll be right back. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and we're chatting with Rodney Pete. Um, you know, Rodney, one of the things that that I was really curious about was... Um, you, you talked a lot about, you know, the struggles about being a dad and, and the way you were raised and the things your dad taught you. And I was just kind of curious, um, how did your dad adjust to, to everything that was going on? And was it a challenge for him, um, being, being the grandfather and, um, and, and supporting RJ in the different ways he needed to? That's a great question, and, and absolutely it was. It was certainly a challenge for him because, um, you know, he, he, he brought... Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Halp, and we're chatting with Rodney Pete. Um, you know, Rodney, one of the things that, that I was really curious about was um, you, you talked a lot about, you know, the struggles about being a dad and the way you were raised and the things your dad taught you. And I was just kind of curious, um, how did your dad adjust to, to everything that was going on? And was it a challenge for him, um, being, being the grandfather and, um, and, and supporting RJ in the different ways he needed to? That's a great question. And, and absolutely it was, it was certainly a challenge for him because, um, you know, he, he, he brought me up in a, in a way that um, was you work as hard as you can and you'll achieve your goals. Um, and it was a, a black and white kind of world. And he really was focusing, especially on, on me and my brother, that you had to work harder than the other guy. And if you worked harder than the other guy, then you were going to be better than the other guy. Um, and you just can't get, you know, get by on just ability alone. You have to always find an edge and you have to work harder. And so that was his mentality for a long time. And then, you know, as we're going through this, you know, this diagnosis and, and situation and development with RJ, um, his mentality was, well, just give him to me for a couple of weeks and I'll get him straightened out. You know, that was, it was that kind of mentality. Um, I'll take him in the backyard. We'll have conversations, you know, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, trying to explain with him that his brain works differently. Um, there were a lot of knockdown, drag out fights with him and my mom because mm-hmm. they come from a different generation, especially yeah. they come from a generation where a lot of times, you know, kids with disabilities, you don't really talk about. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, you just kind of brush them under the rug and, and they do really come from that generation of they'll eventually grow out of it. He'll, he's just going through a phase and, and don't be so hard on him and you gotta teach him this way and he'll grow out of it. Well, it, it doesn't work that way. And, and, you know, the more, more people are studying this and, and which, you know, you try to tell older people that, you know, technology has changed and medicine has changed and diagnosis have changed and we're figuring out what is really going on with the brain because we have better better tools to assess the situation, you know, they can't really grasp, you know, the way the the world is evolving. You know, they're not at that pace that we as younger people are. And and that's mm-hmm. that's gonna be the same for me and my kids. I mean I look around 
they're more up on technology than I am when it comes to computers and gadgets and phones and things like that. They understand them better than I do. So um, that's always going to be the case. But but when it comes to you know the emotion of it and really it's your grandson in, in the case with my dad. Um, it really was difficult for him to understand that his brain, my son's brain, was working different, and he had to adjust his ways as well. And there came times where I didn't, I didn't want him to spend time with him unless he got it and understood there's a certain way that you have to communicate with him, meaning talk to him and, and maybe have to repeat things over and over for him to get it. And you can't have a short fuse. You can't get, you know, be quick to get angry if something doesn't happen right away. Um, and so that's, and that, that, that was the challenge, and, and it, it did for a period of time. There was, there was a lot of tension um, because, you know, grandparents, they think they, they always know best. Yeah. Well, I, and I imagine that, that puts, again, that puts stress on you because, you know, I, I, I get the impression reading, you know, it, it reminds me of the relationship I had with my dad. And, you know, I, he's the guy I call. I'm in a situation. I want advice. I, I pick right. up the phone immediately and call my dad. And now it's the no. I have to correct you, or maybe not call you because it's going to lead to more conflict. Right. No, I'm, you're exactly right. And that I was the same way as my dad. You know, anything in 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 life, general, athletics, whatever it was, I would. He was the first person I called. Say, you know, what do you think about this? Or you know, this <laughs> is this just happened. You know, what do you yeah. think? And you know, and then then finding yourself in a situation where you have to be the educator to your mm-hmm. parents. First of all, it's not it's not an easy one, and then second of all, you know, are they going to be receptive to that? Yeah. And they're not always receptive <laughs> to the son telling them, you know, parenting, especially when it comes to parenting, right. um, that you're doing it the wrong way or your way of thinking is not correct. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I can Im- I'm thinking of a couple of conversations I've had with my folks, so I... I can uh, relate to that yeah. in my own way. Um, you know, one of the things I was really curious about is, you know, um, from the book, it, it sounds like RJ is doing awesome, and he's just made so many gains. And um, it occurred to me that, though, he's hitting his, his teenage years. And, you know, you talked about getting the diagnosis back in about 2000. There's there's a lot of changes in the field. There's a lot of uh, new awareness and understanding. But, the teenage years also bring their own new sets of challenges. And I was just curious, you know, how's he doing right now and, and how are the teenage years going um, as you're entering those? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And then as, as, as rosy as it, you know, it sounded three, four years ago, it's, uh, it's it, you know, those challenges kind of start to resurface when they become mm-hmm. teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's different challenges, and that's, that's, that becomes scary. Um, because I think the one of the one of the things that always is in the back of your mind as a, as a child is growing up, and and granted, you know, we were fortunate enough to to be able to, you know, go out and explore several different options for him to go to school or be around therapists and and have shadow teachers and be able to work with schools and schools work with us. I mean, that was that was certainly a challenge because he's you know he went to you know a handful of different schools before we we settled down on the right one, mm-hmm. but. Um, so that was a, that was certainly you know a big challenge, um, but now uh, that he is you know in those teenage years, there's a certain you know different level of standard which you know got to be honest with you, we we were not 100 percent ready for because like I said, even back then right. you, you you think about it in the back of your mind like okay, um, is he ever going to be able to live on his own? Is he ever going to be able to go to college? And you, you think about those things, but when a child is six and seven, and you know you're working him through elementary school, those it, it seems so far away. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's you know it's right up on us, and and the challenges are tough. So there's been there's been several several setbacks. Yeah. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough that he was progressing enough that we could enter him into a mainstream school uh, along with his twin sister, and he and he went through. Um, sixth grade uh, with his sister and, and and really flourished there, had a great set of friends. Um, and I think one of the things that we did, um, which was my, my daughter, who's, who's RJ's twin, 
the best advice he ever gave was that, you know, I'm an advocate for, for RJ. You guys are an advocate, advocate for RJ. But you need to surround him with other advocates because we're not always going to be around. So mm-hmm. why don't you guys come down and talk to the school? Mm-hmm. And we went down there and had an autism one-on-one with the kids at the school and also the teachers separately. And once we did that and the kids got him, he was mm-hmm. no longer like this kid walking around as a, a strange kid that nobody wanted to talk to. They understood him. They got him. And so he developed a great, great group of friends that, that advocated for him, whether we were around or not. And so yeah, it, was really, it was really, really amazing. But then all of a sudden, middle school hits, and he's got to change schools. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, the kids from, from elementary school that he'd been with for four or five years, they scatter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of, I think about it, it's like, God, it was, it seemed so simpler last, when I was growing up, because if you lived in a neighborhood, you went to the neighborhood school, then you went to the neighborhood, you know, middle school, and then you went to the neighborhood high school. And, yep. and that was just the way it is. And you grew up with all these kids, and you, from the time you were five all the way through, unless someone moved out of town or you moved. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not the case anymore, especially in L.A. You know, everybody yeah. scatters to several different schools. So he scattered, and, and he got to a, uh, a middle school that he had to, you know, try to adapt and meet new friends. And that was a big challenge. And, you know, and as kids get older and they get into that 13, 14, 15 years old, they start to be a little mischievous. And so... In a lot of ways, Rodney kind of wanted to gravitate because he wanted to be in, in, included. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the, the, the kids can be a little bit cruel, so they were having him, you know, do things at, 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 in, in this middle school that were inappropriate and, and, um, and say things that were inappropriate, but they included him, so he felt welcome. So he was very, very attached to this group of kids. Um, not all of them were bad, but they were typical 13-, 14-year-old kids, you know. Um, so that made it that, that made it that made it difficult, and they don't always make the right choices, and that's the scary thing. As kids get older, are they going to be followers because they want to be included? And that's the thing that scares us a little bit, especially right now, is because you know the kids that he wants to hang around with. Sometimes some of them are not exactly the best role models or kids that he needs to be hanging out with. Um, not that they're terrible kids, but you know. Some kids yeah. just like to be mischievous, and yeah. I think that he's he's not at the point where he can just a hundred percent, or we're comfortable with him, one hundred percent standing up and say, "I'm not doing that," even if all of you guys are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a challenge. And then you throw in the the, the puberty hormones into it. <laughs> um, that's what I was wondering too. Makes it oh god, it's it's very difficult because it's not you know. It's just an impulse. It's not always rational thought when it comes to that situation, mm-hmm. and and so his approach to girls can be straightforward, yet a little too forward from time to time. And him understanding, you know, his body and why his body is reacting a certain way, uh, he doesn't, he you know, doesn't always get that as well, and so. Um, you know, there's always a constant concern that he's going to do something or say something or, or be inappropriate around a female, and 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 so we're you know doing our best to really educate him on how to act. And a lot of you know the the good thing is that he does have a twin sister that's the same age and mm-hmm. and can kind of work through him, you know, with him through a lot of these situations. Yeah. Well, you know, we we've got um I know we've got a few minutes left with you and I and I I want to make sure um I talk a little bit about the Hollyrod Foundation mm-hmm. because I you know, I've gotten to interact with with some different members of the foundation over the years and and I've always just been so in, impressed by the different individuals I've I've worked with at IEPs or at different meetings and I I just wanted to to get a little bit more about, you know, how you guys founded the foundation, um, and why you founded the foundation? Well, it initially started because Holly's dad had Parkinson's. I'll give you the quick story. Um, Holly's dad had Parkinson's and had it for 20 years, and, and, um, and 
which was a very difficult disease that, again, got lumped into a lot of different diseases. People call it, it was Alzheimer's or whatever it is, it's, but Parkinson's was very specific. And so um, we moved him out to California and really became his caregiver. And then understanding, you know, the cost involved and the navigation through insurance and all the things that need that he, that he needed in order to, to, you know, function every day, uh, became very costly, and there were a lot of folks out there that 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 couldn't afford it and or, or didn't know where to go. So we created that to create more awareness and also be able to use our celebrity to kind of influence places like like USC to create programs that you know individuals that don't have the income to to pay out of pocket for services as simple as physical therapy or or caregivers. We provided that service or provided access to to that service. And so when our son was diagnosed, we just accelerated the foundation to include autism. Um, and the big focus for us, you know, obviously there's there's some great organizations out there, and Holly's on the board of Autism Speaks, um, which is a, a big national organization and, and really can provide a lot of resources. Um, you guys are doing great work. What we try to do is really advocate for families and, and really provide avenues for them to to just help their way of life become better. Um, we, um, we work with them with schools. We work with them insurance. We work with them. Uh, we have a campaign with a great company called Fuhu who produces these Nobby tablets, which is a learning tool for kids on the spectrum. And it's a very, very great, very good um, educational tablet that's easy to use. We did a, a similar thing with with iPads, where it's a gift of voice, where a lot of kids that are nonverbal have the application on the iPad that they can communicate. We met a wonderful young lady um, who was nonverbal and then recently received an iPad and was able to communicate with her parents or friends or whomever because what she was feeling inside, she would type and it would come out in a voice. And for the longest period of time, she was not able to communicate the way she was feeling, what she wanted, what she thought, and, and it was very, very frustrating. Now she can have full-on conversations with anybody, um, and I think that's that's the biggest thing with a lot of kids on the spectrum is it's really the, about the awareness and understanding. And if you take the time to understand um, these kids have such a gift to society and really will be productive citizens in society. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that, that's fantastic. And I know you guys also do uh, a big event every year called uh, Design Care. Correct. And, um, you know, it, I, I think things like that are just amazing because it's more of a forum. It's more awareness for everyone. It really is. It really is. And we're, we're you know, on this big push now, like I mentioned, we do design care, and we've we've raised a lot of money for a lot of families, and 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 really working with um, actually working now in a partnership with Cal State Northridge University uh, of doing a full-on full-service center there, where you know it's not only just an education facility, but it's also a a center for family to come get counseling. It's uh, it's a, it's going to be a place where you know kids can come and just go to the barbershop and get their hair cut, you know, and, and have wow. different places like that because that can be a difficult experience. Um, but also working with with law enforcement as well, you know. Um, one of the scariest things in the world is now that RJ is 15, you know, he's a, he, he walks around like, a, you know, like he is, you know, he's a, in a lot of ways, he's he's typical teenager. He does teenage things, likes likes to listen to different types of music. Um, but after the the whole Trayvon Martin situation, him you know getting harassed by neighborhood mm. watch because he had a hoodie on and probably didn't understand what the guy was saying, that's our son. You know, mm. if somebody approaches him in an aggressive manner, he's going to get confused and not understand what's you know that person's saying. It could turn into an altercation. And he loves to wear his sweatshirts, loves to wear his hoodies, and loves to have his headphones on and things like that. So um, he's our son. So we're really trying to work with, with different law enforcement agencies to understand and recognize when you talk about awareness. That is such an important avenue as far as awareness is really yeah. for law enforcement to understand when a kid is being threatening or a kid just doesn't understand what the commands are, what you're trying to tell them. Sure. Well, 
Rodney, I, I really appreciate it. I know, I know we, we've kept you a while, and, and um, I really just appreciate you being on the show. Um, I, you know, I, I think the work you're doing is great, and uh, specifically, like I said, I really enjoyed your book. I think it really it resonated with me in a different way, um, and it really reminded me of a lot of one-on-one conversations I had with a, a lot of different dads over the years where I think it's just great input, great advice, and just great insight. So um, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. You got it. All you got the thoughts. Anytime. Uh, everyone, we're going to be uh, taking a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're actually going to announce the winner of the What Is Your Moment campaign and get to find out uh, who this week's winner is and the winner of a, a new iPad Mini will be. All right, stick around. We'll be right back. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's more info at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Unfortunately, it's just me. We're going to do this final segment alone. Um, you know, I, I, I hope you guys were okay with the slightly different commercial breaks. I, I, you know, Rodney was, was fantastic, and I really wanted to make sure to give him tons of time to talk. Um, you know, as I said at the top of the show, I was just really excited to to share a different perspective today because that's, that's what I think this is all about. It's sharing perspectives. We all have these different perspectives. Um, I had this, this history teacher when I was a kid who used to always take her glasses off and say, history is all about seeing things through different people's glasses. And I, and I thought that was so hokey and, and corny when I was a kid. And um, I, now that I'm an adult and, and now really that I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing, I, she's, she's, I think life is seeing things through other people's glasses. It's, um, it, it's amazing to hear different people's perspectives on, on autism and on their kids because we gain so much knowledge. And I truly believe that, you know, hearing Rodney's perspective, hearing his wife Holly's perspective, hearing different service providers' perspectives and your perspectives um, is really critical and is really a huge key to making sure we all provide better care, better support, and better advocacy for our kids. Um, so I'm really excited. Uh, in case you're curious, I want to do want to give my history teacher a shout out, uh, Barbara Kalmar. Thank you so much. I, uh, I, I never thought I would quote your, uh, glasses example on the air, but I, I, I did. And, and I'm, I'm <laughs> huge smile on my face that I did. Um, she's actually become a, a, a family friend in the years that have gone by. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to, to share that wisdom. Uh, but let's get to the contest. Let's get it into the what is your moment uh, winner. Uh, so this week we have a contribution uh, from Tanika G. Um, and Tanika writes to us, uh, my son Landon is five years old and has a very limited vocabulary. A couple of weeks ago, as I was putting him on the bus for school, as he gets to the top step, he turns to me and says, bye, mommy. Tears immediately came to my eyes as I quickly looked at his driver. I quickly blinked them away, looked at him and said, bye, baby, have a good day. As they pulled away, the tears welled. My son Landon is five years old and has a very limited vocabulary. A couple of weeks ago, as I was putting him on the bus, oh, 
<laughs> Sorry, everyone. I started reading that again. I think it got uh, <laughs> double written. Um, but I'm actually kind of glad I did because it is it is exactly what we talked about today. Um, Tanika, thank you for sharing this story. I I think these are those small moments that, you know, Rodney and I were talking about that they are hard at first to grasp and um, challenging when you're, when you're brand new to this. But as I think as you know, and, and as he shared with us, they're everything now. They're, they're everything. They're, they're the inspiration to do this all again. And the fact that, that Landon said this um, is amazing. It's just, it, it, it's absolutely incredible. And um, I'm really proud and, and excited that this was your moment and really honored to award you with an iPad mini. Um, we're also going to post this tomorrow on Facebook so everyone else can get a, a chance to read the moment. Um, we'll only do one and not a double print out like on my paper. Um, but uh, please, you know, keep, keep sharing because like I said, this perspective, this story is, is important. It, it adds to the dialogue. It increases our awareness. Um, and it, it's the foundation of everything that, that we're trying to do and that um, I think we all should be striving for. So I hope you guys are having a fabulous month. Um, I hope you're getting out to the different events. I, I know I'm, I'm at pretty much a, a, an event every weekend, which is awesome. I'm, I'm getting to meet and talk to so many great people, and I'm hoping that you guys are able to do the same, whether it be another family, uh, a provider, uh, understanding a new therapy approach that you didn't know about before, a new law, um, but there is a lot of great events going on all month in, in all different cities across the country. So please take advantage and, and spread that awareness to uh, the people you meet there too. Uh, we will be back next week and having another guest, another great show. Hope you guys have a great weekend and a great week. Take care, guys. Bye. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week.